Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast. This is Journeys with Jen. I'm Jennifer Griego. Today, I have a very special guest on today. His name is Ron Raboud. Ron started um, Rabco Corporation in 1987. That is a business that builds self-storage building systems and metal building factories. He also started Wounded Warrior Outdoors in 2008. This is different from the Wounded Warrior Project. It is staffed entirely by volunteers. It's a nonprofit organization that provides therapeutic adventures to wounded warriors. And he's also a very good friend of ours. He's a great person, and we have been many, on many hunts with him. And the Wounded Warriors, he's a great friend, and I love him so much. Hey, Ron, what's up? Good, Jen. How are you? Thanks for uh, the very generous introduction. Oh, of course. So how's it been going? I know you guys just finished the Kentucky Wounded Warrior hunt. How did that go? Oh, well, we just got back last night. Um, we had eight warriors and we got eight birds. Uh, so it was pretty successful. They're very successful compared to last year. Last year, your family was there. So you know how tough that was. But uh, yeah. hunting's hunting. So we just do the best we can. Yeah. Who all was there? We had um, a variety of warriors there. Josh Suss was there. Josh lives in Cincinnati. We had Ron Hinkle from the other side of Kentucky. Josh. Uh, came down from Cincinnati like he does every year. Jason Hallett was down from Denver. We had, I'm trying to recall off memory here. We had Darvin Chavez uh, from New Mexico. We had, um, was Nevada there? Nevada was not there. Oh, okay. Someone Um, with the same beard mimicking him was in the picture. Although, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, we actually, because of what was happening, like you guys saw last year, Bob, when you were there, we I was fearful that the population of turkeys were down a bit and, the, and, the, and the, the population was trending down. So we went with a smaller group than our typical group this year. So we had the ability to pop around a little bit. Well, it looked like it worked. So great. It looked like yeah, a it great work. hunt. It was a great hunt. Yeah, awesome. I That hunt was so much fun. I did get a lot of crap for missing a turkey three yards, but it's fine. <laughs> well, I, I can't shoot them for you, Jen. I can call them in, but I can't shoot them for you. <laughs> I know. I know. Nevada never lets me live it down. Neither does Jason or Josh. Literally no one does. It's fine. But you're the ranger, so you do have an excuse. Hey, we lost a little bit there, Ron. I think you were saying when you're three yards away from, with a shotgun, you have a very limited pattern. Yeah, it's pretty much shooting a, a rifle slug. So Jen was close, but no cigar. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so I mentioned earlier you started Rabco. How did you, like, what led you to start that? Well, in college, I actually went to college to be a veterinarian, but then met organic chemistry and kind of went in a different direction um, and went to structural engineering. So when I came out of that and, and came out of the University of Florida in 1980, I went to work for a company that was specializing in building agricultural facilities. And if you know anything about agriculture, it's very cyclical. So it's either you very high highs and very low lows. Mm-hmm. And we were looking for something to uh, keep our machinery moving and, and, and keep the business afloat. So uh, self-storage was an emerging product at that time. And one thing led to another. And here we are. Oh, awesome. How did you like get it started? Uh Probably stupidity. Um, <laughs> it, it was uh, we we were not having a good experience at the company we were working with, and it was just I don't think there's ever a good time. It's like getting married or having a baby. There's a plenty of excuses not to do. Things. Yeah, don't so, ever have kids, Ron. I've learned that from Jennifer in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, if they turn out like yours, I'd have them. <laughs> oh, that's nice, Ron. But only Jennifer's here, and she doesn't deserve that compliment. But just okay. kidding, she does. She's awesome. Wow. 
Just getting roasted over here. Yeah, it's been, it, I thought this was a podcast, not a not an MMA fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, that is awesome. That's really cool. And so from there, you started WWO and all that. So, like, what motivated you to start that, and what is WWO's mission? Well, the motivation was actually guilt, uh, mm-hmm. to be 100% honest with you. I was in uh, at the Mescalero, Mescalero Indian Reservation on an Elcon uh, when September, when 9-11 hit. And we had flown out there by private aircraft. And what a lot of people don't realize is that private aviation was shut down much longer than commercial aviation was. So I ended up having to drive back from New Mexico to Florida. And it's a lot of time to think. And I realized during that trip that uh, I had been given a life of opportunity and, and, and privilege, basically, just by being an American. And, and I hadn't done anything to do my share to show the gratitude for what I have. So it really weighed on me. And my dad was a wounded warrior from World War II. The two cousins that got me hunting were both wounded warriors from Vietnam era. One was wounded in Vietnam, the other was killed there. So um, there was a lot of guilt that surfaced. And, and I just had to find a way to give back. Excellent. And I think your your reason for starting WWO, as you said, your experience on the drive from New Mexico back to Florida is very inspiring. I think that like like most of us Americans, we owe such a debt of gratitude um, for our lives, uh, our freedom, et cetera, and to the military for doing that. But it's very few. It is a, a very small group of people that take an action to do like what you have done with WWO. And, um, you know, our hats are, are off to you because we know a lot of those guys. And you certainly have done a lot to help them in their recovery and inspire them and add meaning back to their lives. Well, I appreciate that, but WWO is a lot larger than myself. It's, you know, you and your family have been <clears throat> involved with this for many, many years. And I think there I think there is a grateful nation out there. It's a nation that just needs to know how to direct their efforts and how best to help. And once they recognize that, they're very willing to do so. Oh, wow. Uh, so what is WWO's, like, mission? Well, the mission is different than I thought it would be when I started. Mm -hmm. My basic intention was just to take guys on hunting trips like you or I go on. And I, my, I was cautioned by my attorney as, you know, we're in a litigious society. So I was cautioned before bringing warriors to my ranch Mm -hmm. um, to understand what we would be dealing with. And we, we arranged for a meeting at Walter Reed Army Medical Center in in Washington, D.C., and at that time, when we met with the staff, we were we were joined by uh, Major General at the time, Gary Cheek. General Cheek was in charge of uh, all East Coast medicine, everything east of the Mississippi. And he was actually the one that recognized the therapeutic nature of uh, that the, the outdoors and outdoor adventures could provide. It, I'd like to say it was me, but it was General Cheek. And I've been like you have been an outdoorsman my entire life, but I saw Ron, we lost you there for a second. Are you still there? Here. We lost you where you said you've been outdoors your entire life and go from there. And I know, and uh, well, as an outdoorsman, I, I, I knew the enjoyment level of the outdoors, but I never saw the therapeutic potential in it. And it was the general, General Cheek, who's a non-hunter himself, who saw that and recognized that potential. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you end up starting WWO and like, how did you get access to the Wounded Warriors? Well, as a result of the meeting we had with Walter Reed, 
the the general offered i'll use the word partnership but i don't mean it in a in a legal sense mm -hmm. um in more more in a cooperative sense where we worked directly with at that time we began with walter reed where they would select their in-hospital patients the warriors that were in transition from injury to what would be the rest of their life and they would pair them and send them to our adventures along with a member of the medical staff and we just hosted and paid for everything and from that point forward, it snowballed, and we now deal with uh, warriors from Balboa Naval Medical Center in San Diego and Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio, as well as Walter Reed. Oh, that's amazing. So would they kind of go up to the warriors and be like, hey, do you want to go on a hunt? Or how did it, How did they get the warriors to go? Well, you got to remember that, uh, or let's, let's be real clear on one thing. Hunting is not part of the equation. Hunting is just part of the motivation. Um, the warriors are, most of the warriors that go on our trips have never hunted before. Mm -hmm. uh, so what we would do is we would go, we being WWO representatives, would go and make presentations to the in-hospital patients, tell them about the various adventures that we were getting ready to do for the next year then work with their therapists and their doctors to pair them to the organization or to the, the trip that would provide them with the greatest amount of uh, potential therapy. Okay, that's really cool. So what different hunts do you have for the Warriors to go on and different adventures and stuff like that? Well, we start everything from, a, we have a mixed bag hunt in Texas in February. We have several turkey hunts. We have a spring bear hunt, which will be our next trip that we go on here in about 10 days to British Columbia. We have fly fishing trips to Alaska. We have alligator hunts, which are always popular. We have wild boar hunts. We have archery elk hunts. Uh, we have a saltwater fishing trip in Alaska. So we do 15 different trips uh, for groups and 10 trips for individuals. And Ron, what do you notice uh, is the initial uh, response to the warriors when they come on their first adventure with you as far as meeting other uh, warriors that have also been injured and, and been able to spend time with the group how is what's sort of the typical uh response to to joining the group and beginning the adventure well i think a lot of the warriors that are transitioning into their new life so to speak have a have they struggled not to be around other warriors they struggle being around people that don't understand their challenges people that don't understand what they've been through and just aren't wired like they are so for warriors to rejoin or reconnect with with their brothers and sisters on our trips is a huge step the reconnection process just to be around other like-minded people facing like challenges is a huge comfort uh i think another thing that we realized that kind of surprised me is one thing that i've always been impressed with was the military is their sense of brotherhood and their mm -hmm. commitment to one another and they've they feel like that has been lost once they transition out of the military life. Uh, but then again, they join our trips and they see that a somewhat similar brotherhood or sisterhood exists within the outdoor community. And I think that fills a void. Yeah, for sure. And have you seen sort of a change in them, like even in that one particular hunt or on other hunts that come later, change in the warriors? Well, most definitely. I mean, the, the first thing, the, it, it's going to sound a little bit, strange but what i listen for usually happens about the second or third day of a trip our trips are typically a week to 10 days mm -hmm. and when i see the warriors get up in the morning and they start mentioning that they haven't slept like that in years or they haven't got a good night's rest like that in years that's when i know they're relaxing and they can uh, they can 
potentially benefit the best from the trip that they're they're committed so to speak you know ron that's that's great and that's got to make you feel really good when you can hear that they are starting to relax and i think that's the whole purpose of what you set up this set this organization up for was to help these men get to a comfort zone where they can you know adapt to their life after the military with their injuries etc and that's that's got to make you feel really good when you hear that i've been impressed with watching you and steve peebles when you talk uh and you see a warrior that shows up and he's got some difficulties with walking and some problems with his prosthetic how you guys are have a very laid back non-approaching um approach if that makes any sense to the warriors we wait until they come up to you to talk about any issues they have rather than saying hey listen it doesn't look like your prosthetic fits you very well you know we can help you with that you know steve has added so much to the lives of these men and women and um, it's it's been inspiring to watch how you guys sort of let things play out rather than saying, hey, let me help you. You know, let them ask for the help before you offer it to them. Well, you know, one thing that's a given on for most every warrior. Uh, I'm sorry. Are so, you there? yeah, can you hear us now? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, so the last we heard was uh, one thing that's a given. So if you want to start from there again. Well, one thing in a, in, a, in, a, in a warrior's recovery is that by the time they've, they've been wounded for a, a short period of time, they've had a, a bad experience with those injuries being exploited, exploited by individuals seeking to use them for, the, for a gain of for whatever reason it would be. So we try never, we not try, we never exploit our warriors' injuries and we never try to invade their space. So the first thing and the most important thing for us to be successful is we need to gain that warrior's trust. And that usually takes a few days. And and then we can move forward like you suggested with Steve and we can we can share with the warriors our observation with prosthetics or 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 gait or movement or whatever it would be. Um, and it, you just need to be patient. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, how many like wounded warriors have you helped with their prosthetics and stuff? Because I know a bunch of them that I've seen um, I've been with Steve and helped him like cast a bunch of them, and it's been really amazing just to see um, them get cast for their prosthetics, and they're excited to get their prosthetic back because their leg or arm or whatever it is is kind of bugging them. Well, you know, I think there's two different types of fits. It would be like a pair of shoes. You know, you mm-hmm. got your pair of dress shoes that you can wear to uh, an occasion for a short period of time and suffer through the pain. Uh, but then you've got your everyday comfortable shoes that may not look very good, but they serve a purpose that's more encompassing with your lifestyle. And unfortunately, most of our hospitals or military hospitals don't needs of the warriors for the best ability of, of the life that's ahead of them. They only fit that temporary need, uh, maybe walk down a hallway or, or go to class or, or go to church or whatever it would be. Um, in our we're pushing them be the limits that they ever thought they would achieve. So having Steve on our trips and being able to adjust those prosthetics on trips is a huge benefit to the warriors because we can address their needs prior to it becoming an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so awesome. How did you get started and um, get together with Steve on that? Steve was actually a pros- the prosthetist of Matt Amos. Matt is, mm-hmm. is a very instrumental warrior and very much my side, uh, my side man, so to speak, or my, my 
my go-to guy from the warrior community for WWO. And they both live in, in Kansas and now Matt actually works. So Steve has been involved with WWO for a very long time. And, and we've actually built, as you've seen on some of our trips to Kentucky, a, a portable prosthetics lab where we can actually build tri- uh, build leg limbs right on trips. Yeah, that's amazing that, that, that he has that ability to do that there. And, um, and Matt, as you said, um, we love Matt. He's been great uh, to our family, and we've surely enjoyed time with him. Um, it's I've heard stories about how when Matt walks into a room and there's a warrior there that's lost a leg and you know has an above the knee or below the knee amputation, and here comes Matt walking in with two above. Now he has one above the knee and one below the knee. Is that correct? One, that's correct. One above, one below. But he's he's the type of person that uh, when he walks in and has an attitude of optimism and um shows people what they can do it's i've heard stories about warriors meeting him saying wow look at what this guy is able to do and i guess i'm not in such a bad spot life by example you're much better off and you know written written words or or just spoken words don't do justice as to the the physical example somebody sets by actually doing it with maybe even more injuries than you have uh we just had a warrior on our trip our turkey hunt this past weekend jason hallett jason is missing both his legs one of his arms and his remaining arm is severely damaged and he um he's going through a process called osteo integration where actually you're embedding into the limbs into the bones themselves so that your bones can become late weight bearing rather than relying on the suction of prosthetics so um, that's the new trend and I, it's, he's the first time that we worked around anyone with that type of an application uh, this past week and I was pretty impressed yeah that's amazing so what were you, you cut out a little bit so what are they doing with the bones basically if you look at like Matt's injuries where most of the prosthetics you've been aware of or around Jen uh, the the prosthetic relies on suction to stay on 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 the person and they actually their weight is not being born on the bone structure it's being born by the muscle and suction so this new process is osteointegration. It's implanting a bolt into the bone structure itself so that then you you basically bolt your legs on uh, and you're wearing, you're bearing weight the way your body's intended to on the bone itself. Oh, that's amazing. Does it change like if they have pains or things like that in their leg? If they have pain? Yeah, like I know sometimes they get like rubs or whatever from the suction or something. Does it affect that or no? Uh, it, it will affect that because it eliminates it because there's no socket. Oh, okay. So basically, basically imagine just bolting your lower leg to your knee. Oh. And uh, um, it's, it's, it's an emerging process. It's, it's very much in its infancy, but there's a lot of hope there. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that sounds like great technology that, um, uh, you know, being around so many of these wonderful wounded warriors, a lot of them do have those issues where, more active they are they get blisters they get you know compression issues or trauma to the tissue if they could eliminate that and have it uh, have the prosthetic be more like a part of their skeleton that would change a lot of what they can do it become it's you know i'm not in the medical profession as you are bob but it, it the 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 skin or the body doesn't adhere to the bolt itself so to me my only concern would be it may be an open wound channel somewhat like a stoma into the uh into the bone itself uh it's there so care and cleanliness is going to have to definitely be part of the the daily routine 
Right. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. If you have the bone actually exposed or the the metal part of the prosthetic, the bolt, and it uh, passes through the tissue, that would be seem to be a vulnerable area for entry. But obviously they're working through some of those things, and it would be awesome if that's the next new advance. It could be tremendous. Yeah, um, I think it is. And in Jason's case, he was doing very well. He was actually bearing weight on his legs. He had a temporary structure on it that bolted to his prosthetic arm, which would replicate the weight of the prosthetic that he'll be getting in the future. So he was basically conditioning his shoulder and his body to be ready to accept that weight. And I believe he gets his his arm here in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's amazing. So I know Brian has his like robotic arm. Do a lot of the prosthetic arms have like the ability to move your hands or are some of them just kind of just like a prosthetic leg or something? Well, I think I think they have a variety. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, Brian has the what you're what you're referring to is called a myoelectric hand where he can through stimulating or moving his muscles as if there was a hand there. He can control a robotic hand to replicate the movements of his of his normal hand. Uh, but he also has a hook, and he also has something for different types of needs. He has an arm to hold fishing poles. They have some to hold golf court, golf clubs or whatever the need would be. Okay. And for the record, Brian was the first wound word that we met. Jennifer was mm-hmm. on a deer hunt in Colorado with Eddie Corona of the Outdoor Experience for All and several other kids that had health issues. And um, Brian was there, and I think it was fairly recently after he – had gotten back and had gotten his prosthetics. And it was interesting to watch the interaction between Jennifer and Brian. You know, he has his visible injuries, and uh, she felt really bad for what he was going through. Um, meanwhile, he sees her with her lung vest and her nebulizers and all of her medications, and he felt bad for what she was going through. And that sort of um, mutual admiration or respect or, I don't know, sharing of, of challenges has been something that, Jennifer has been able to identify with a lot of the wounded warriors over the years, and it basically started our relationship with WWO and you and um, and all those guys. It's been a, a great relationship to have for, for Jennifer and for my whole family. Well, I think Jen's a perfect example of the devastation or the unseen devastation of invisible injuries, because when, when you look at Jen, you see a beautiful girl who's the, who appears to be the picture of health, not knowing the the unseen challenges she deals with on a daily basis. And our warriors are the same way. I think it's sometimes the, the invisible part of the injuries that are the most devastating because they can't be quantified. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and um, so what are some of the worst injuries you've seen? Because I've seen a bunch of the wounded warriors that are triple and a bunch of amputees, but there are also a bunch of warriors who don't have any physical injuries that you can see but you can kind of, like, Nevada is one of them. He is a great guy. I love him so much. But he has some invisible injuries. So do you think warriors with invisible injuries kind of have a different look because they don't – when they're out with the other warriors, they can't relate as much because they don't have a prosthetic or anything like that? Yeah, I believe that, uh, in my opinion, the, the invisible part of every injury is the most devastating side because of the fact that it isn't that it is invisible and it isn't quantified. And – a lot of guys that are physically wounded also bear invisible injuries as well. Uh, but those warriors that bear only invisible injuries, and let's face it, some of those invisible injuries could be multiple gunshot wounds, but you just don't see missing pieces. So you don't recognize that warrior as wounded. And 
And I've been in, in public situations with warriors where I'd be standing there with a group of warriors, uh, some of which are amputees and some of which are invisible. And caring people come up and immediately speak to the, the, the warriors with visible wounds while neglecting those with invisible wounds. And that, that leads to uh, some additional challenges because you are not recognized as wounded. Yeah, for sure. That I know because people don't always view me as a sick kid because I don't always look like one. So I know it kind of messes with your head a little bit. But those... Well, it messes with it a lot because, I I mean, Jen, I've known you for a very long time and until you came to Kentucky a couple of years ago on your turkey hunt with the Warriors. I never recognized the the your your daily routine and how interrupted it was to your life. So I never really realized how sick you were until I spent those time with you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ron. I think that's that's a the whole discussion you just had about invisible injuries is very important for the listeners. You know, a lot of times people will see our you know whether a warrior is wounded or not physically. You know, our veterans that come back after combat, they've got a lot of things going on mentally, even if they've not been, you know, a victim of a IED or a gunshot or whatever, just the, the PTSD and the other psychological issues that these people have. And then assimilation back into society can be extremely difficult for them. And, um, you know, I think that that's something that takes a lot of guys a lot of time to get, to get past. Um, so we talked about invisible, invisible and like physical injuries, but like, what are some of the worst um, injuries that you have helped the warriors deal with? Well, you know, Jen, I hate to answer that. Um, and, and I'm not trying to avoid the injury because I will say we've had everything from invisible wounds to quadruple amputees where a person is missing all four limbs. But I don't think it's, it's fair for me to say what is the most devastating or most severe injuries we've seen because... I, I agree, a, Ron, actually. I think we'll just edit that one out. Because okay. I, I think that it's kind of... I, the, no, my I think point... you can leave it in. I, I think you can leave it in there, but I think it's important just to clarify it. Okay. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Because I, I think for me to classify or for anyone to classify a warrior's injuries or even your challenges, Jim, uh, until I live in your shoes and walk in your shoes and live your days daily, I don't know the struggles you're facing. So it's not fair for me to say that somebody that's missing a leg or two legs or three limbs or four limbs is more severely wounded than you are. Because that's a that's a personal everybody's challenged and everybody as far as our warriors go and I don't know the depths of those challenges so I can't really I can't really evaluate those. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. And everyone has their own battles and everything like that. So yeah, that totally makes sense. Very much so, and that's the benefit of being around uh, Bob. You you injected it earlier. It's it's when when we put together a group and we select a group, we select warriors of from each branch of service so that you get that trash talking and that competition going mm-hmm. on. But we also select various types of injuries because the, the 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 human nature and the caring side. Let's face it, our warriors chose a career of service. And they just because they're wounded doesn't mean that that career or that need to serve is over. And the ones they want to serve the most are their brothers and sisters. So when we get warriors on trips, the first thing they do is start helping those warriors on the trips that they feel are injured more than them. And it's and it keeps that brotherhood and that camaraderie going forward. And uh, um, it's always nice to know that that there's other people facing the same challenges you are in life, regardless of what those challenges are. Mm, yeah. And I, 
I love the Warriors. They're so much fun, and especially the back and forth, like bickering and joking and everything like that. Every time we see them, there's always some roast on me missing a turkey at three yards or anything. So it's always so much fun just to hang out with them because there's always something you can joke about, and it's just a blast. It's my favorite part of every hunt with them. You know, Ron, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a family. You see these guys get together, especially the ones that have shared some time together, whether it's at a fundraiser with you or on a adventure, but the ribbing, the back and forth, the no one takes themselves too seriously, I think that's a huge part of their healing process and their bonding. It's just like a family. It is like a family, and if you really think about it, what we've described or what we're all talking about is just being normal. And I think whether you're you're dealing with an illness like Jen or a wound like our warriors are, it's always nice just to be normal, not to be treated different, just to be part of the group, and that's what we do. We don't treat anybody like they're wounded because – in our mind, if you treat someone as disabled, that's what they will become. Mm-hmm. You know, Ron, a, a, a quick little story. When the uh, first time Carol met Matt, um, Amos, and Brian at the Wild Sheep Convention, they were they were talking to another lady who was asking them where they served and all that kind of stuff. And she was asking Brian, what did you do? And he said he was a demolitions expert. You know, he's got the one prosthetic. He's got another hand that has, I think, three fingers left on it, and he's got one prosthetic leg, so prosthetic arm, prosthetic leg, and anyway, he's he's standing there, and he's talking about what he was an IED or an, an demolition or explosives expert, I guess it was, and um, Matt is standing next to him, and he goes, yeah, he sucked at his job, <laughs> and, Brian, yeah. Yeah. and Brian goes, dude, and Matt goes, hey, if you were good at your job, you wouldn't be in a position like this, <laughs> and the lady's just standing there with her mouth open, but, you know, we just started laughing because that's what they do. They just sort of pick on each other and lighten the situation. But uh, <laughs> that's one of Jennifer's favorite things with those guys is oh, so they never fun. let it go. If there's a chance to rip on each other, they do it. Oh, yeah. No, you can't you can't go on our on any of our trips and be thin skinned, whether you're a volunteer or a warrior, because it's uh, it'll be a feeding frenzy pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, no, we were with hanging out with Jason at the airport, I think last year, and we go up to take a picture and. Someone was holding his wheelchair because he had just had surgery, so he didn't have his leg on. And he pushed, like, the ejection button on one of his wheels or something. So we, like, went back to our gate after we took a picture, and he was, like, like cussing it out. And he was like, I knew that guy hit that button on my wheel. It was so yeah, funny. Yeah, because when he got in it, it fell over. No, he didn't fall over. He just, like, was messing with it. And he was like, oh, if I had taken a sharp turn, I would have fallen right over. And we're like, that is so funny. Yeah, last year, J.D., when we were coming back from the Sheep Show, went to give somebody a high five, and he has one of those sit-down segues, and when he did it, threw the center of gravity off, and he flipped over backwards and spilled out <laughs> in the, in the, uh, by, the, by the gate at the end. It was just like we were all laughing, and everybody at the gate was in shock. So it. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> I think there's a J.D. story where he was in, in that, and he had had too much to imbibe or to drink one of the nights, and he was sick. And he's throwing up, going around in circles on that deal, and everybody's just making fun of him. Yeah, he was trying to lean forward in a Segway to, to throw up, and every time he leaned forward, the Segway would take off. So uh, it, was, so it, was, it was pretty funny. Oh, my gosh. There's, there's so much fun. I love hanging out with them. And especially, like, in Kentucky, a lot of them realize, like, what I go through and what we go through together. So we kind of have, like, that mutual connection, and we all, like, joke about it. It's so much fun. Yeah, and, and, you know, what we're all talking about here, again, is going back to uh, what you're enjoying and what we all like on these trips is normal, normal on any outdoor trip, uh, yeah. whether it's able-bodied hunts you go on with your family or your other friends or any hunting camp or fishing camp you're in, 
this is the thing that happens. Exactly. And you and Lisa are so good about that, about um, making them feel like part of your family and welcoming them and having a low-key approach and making everybody feel normal. Go ahead, Jen. Yeah, we try. We And that, and that is the, the setting we try to, to replicate is the feeling of more, I would call it more of a homecoming family family adventure rather than a an organized structured trip yeah one time we did yoga it was in kentucky we we're doing yoga downstairs <laughs> yeah sam had you doing that that, that adaptive was, yoga that yeah so sam funny. your son has been yeah there's no that. you're either going to do yoga or karaoke so you're going to end up doing something i miss karaoke that's so sad <laughs> yeah your brother your 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 younger brother shocked your parents with his version of karaoke oh so. lord i heard that story i think he sang boats and hose <laughs> He sang yeah. Boats and Hoes and knew all the words, and Carol was a little bit aghast. But that's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah. What happens in Wound Warrior Camp stays there. So yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. So kind of like back to um, WWO and kind of the overall part of it. So what percent of donations go to the Warriors and the mission and things like that? Well, we're 100% volunteer organizations. So ever since day one, which we were fit, we originally started in 2006, but we got our official 501c3 designation in 2009. But ever since the, we've been involved, we've never spent a single cent on any form of staff compensation. It's it's 100% volunteer. Our efficiency rating, so if somebody donates a dollar, say, that's about 94.7% or 94.7 cents on every dollar goes to the Warriors. We have some um, avoidable ex- expenses, unavoidable expenses, mainly insurance, because... Mm-hmm. We have to ensure the warriors. We have to ensure the destinations. We have to ensure everything around it. And that's our biggest single expense. And Ron, for you know, as somebody who supports the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and keeps track of what their efficiency is as far as getting dollars to the charitable cause, what you're doing with that percentage is amazing. That's among the best of anything I've ever heard. And I know that a big part of that is because you – use the volunteer work of your your staff from rabco and your hours and and things that aren't um accumulating and becoming a big part of the overhead so hats off to you that's a very efficient way to run a charity yeah it's um, it's amazing yeah it's a passion it's you know it's a life mission not just for me but for well look at y'all it's it's when you've been on the trips it, it, it almost becomes addictive you feel like as a volunteer, we're get, we're gaining so much more than we're giving back. It's just hard to hard not to want to be involved. Oh yeah, I hunts with Winnie Words are my favorites of all time. I love them so much, and I go on hunts with my family all the time, and even just hunts with me and my dad. But Wounded Warrior ones are definitely one of my top favorites. Gee, so gee, thanks, Jen. Thanks love for you, putting me love in second you. place again. <laughs> well, we enjoy having. Oh, thank you. It's so much fun with you guys. Okay, so um, I know. Sometimes when we bring up Wounded Warrior Outdoors, people confuse it with the Wounded Warrior Project. So you guys don't have any affiliations with them, and you are very different from what they do, correct? That is correct. We are not affiliated with any other organization. We're a standalone, completely independent organization. And unfortunately, we share a similar part of our names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what you guys do is amazing, and I def- I love it. So, um. What are some important things that you've learned from the warriors themselves when you go out hunting with them? The, what always amazes me, it never ceases to amaze me, is the positive attitude that the warriors have given the challenge that they've been been given in life. And if you think about it, they're, you know, I think the average age of our warriors at the height of the war was probably around 23 to 25 years old. 
and you got individuals in the infancy of their career and all of a sudden that career and that lifestyle has been taken from them uh, and the, the future is very uncertain. So to watch them go through that and maintain a positive attitude is just very humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing, especially for me as a like always seeing them in my head, it was always like they it was different from what I have because. I was born with my disease, so I've learned to grow up with it, but they had this put on them just like all of a sudden. So it's always inspired. They always inspired me because of how they deal with their injuries and everything like that. They're amazing people and what they go through. Yeah. And I, and you are correct. And I think the fact that it, that they did sign up to serve, they, they knew the risk that they were, that they were, they knew the potential of the risk and the potential of the injury as part of service. And they come to grips with that fairly well. I mean, I'm very impressed. Uh, it, it's just, it, it's just, it's just amazing. But one thing that we want to be clear on here is that recovery and healing is a lifelong journey. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not as soon as the, the, the wounds are closed and the stitches are out, the healing's not over. There's various aspects of the healing process that continues through the warrior's life. They'll be, they will be on a healing during their entire life. Yes, for sure. Um, and what lessons do you have for people who are dealing with wounded warriors returning to their daily life at home? Well, my biggest, my biggest single point of advice was find a way to get them acting with other warriors. Uh, other warriors in the community that understand their challenges and the struggles they've had, the experiences they've experienced, because as laymen, as individuals and civilians, we do not know what they've experienced and we can never know what they've experienced. So we, it's important to get them involved in some capacity with other warriors. Yes, for sure. And I, watching them on the hunts together, they definitely like, they have that brotherhood and they have, that connection with everything and they just get along so well together. And it's amazing seeing them do that. And I, I think that point is a very, is a take home one, Ron, that, um, you know, for family members or friends of people that have come back and they have injuries visible or not, there's, it's great to be supportive. There's a lot you can do to help them, but the, probably one of the most important things you can do is get them in contact with other people that are in a similar circumstance where they can, you know, have that brotherhood or those common experiences and, and learn about how someone else that they can relate to has recovered from theirs and has some optimism that they can share. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, during the recovery process, whether we're talking about a warrior or an ill or injured individual, uh, you can surround that person with the greatest medical care, the greatest family structure, uh, but that only takes them so far. The ultimate healing is a personal decision each person must make for themselves so yes. tools you give you give them in the toolbox to make that decision, um the better jen you're an example i mean you made the decision to become a sheep hunter to take yourself and, and push your body to that next level because you were inspired to do so uh that was a decision you made that wasn't a decision your mom and dad made for you that was your mm-hmm. decision and you carried forth with that much more empowered than you would have if your mom and dad were trying to push you. Yes, for sure. And I am so glad I made that decision to go out there on those mountains and train because it has changed my perspective on life and like drastically. And it was one of the wounded warriors who did inspire me because of their story and what they've gone through and just hanging out with them. I realized that they had this put on them and I've been born with this and I've 
grown up with it. So if they can fight back from what they've been through, then there's then I can do it too, and I can fight back with what I have. Exactly, and you are doing that, and it's you're dealing with the the hand that was dealt to you, whether it's by injury or illness. I mean, you're you've got to make that decision to push forward, and, and you're you're a classic example for a lot of people, including the warriors for your resilience to move forward. I mean, I give you a lot of credit for that. It's, it's, you have a great support family uh, and support system within the family and the outdoor community, but ultimately that decision to push forward is you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you and the warriors and everyone around me has been very supportive and very helpful and helped me get through the times that I did not want to do it and things like that. Well, now that we know you can do it, kick your ass if you don't. Oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I don't doubt it. Even Nevada, before I went on those hunts, he was like, Jen, if you miss, you're never going to live it down. I was like, yes, I know. You know, Ron, I, <laughs> I appreciate having the, the Wounded Warriors as, as surrogate family members, too, because their, their input and their pressure has been one of the big reasons why Jennifer decided to go ahead and do this podcast. She was not interested oh, yeah. in doing it. It's a little bit out of her comfort zone. Carol and I joke that she's better speaking in front of 2,000 people than she is one-on-one. So some of the pressure that was put on her by our friends at WWO have helped motivate her to do this, and I think she's blossoming in this experience as well. Yeah, Jen does a great job at anything she puts her mind to. And, and uh, you know, I, both of us, both Jen and I spoke at the Sheep Foundation banquet or convention in Reno, and that's so far out of the box for both of us. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, it's just it's intimidating but when you believe in something it's a risk worth taking yeah it and your speech was amazing that was the first year I went to sheep show and I heard your speech and it was so inspiring to hear your hear your story and hear everything that you said and it was you did an amazing job and I was very like in awe of what everything that you said oh well that like that goes I appreciate that but important thing is with every level of discomfort is don't let it impede what you believe in and and the worst you can do is misspeak or or make a fool out of yourself but in the scheme of life that's nothing compared to the potential good that you can do mm-hmm. that's a that's very valuable observation and ronald we'll, we'll have to see i know that 2017 i think there was some videos on the wild sheep website so if we can find that we'll put a link in our show notes for people to be able to listen to your your speech because it was outstanding and i think it gives a different perspective um to people about wwo they're getting a lot of it from the podcast but to be able to see the video will be great for them as well i know it's on youtube i don't know if, i don't know where it's um on, on the sheep foundation website or okay great we'll find it on youtube and put the link there okay and so hearing everything about Windy Warrior Outdoors and everything you guys do is so, so amazing. So what is the best way that the listeners can help out WWO? Well, obviously, financially is the best way. Uh, but we, we take the unique perspective is that we don't ever ask for donations. So we don't ever solicit donations or ask for help. Because what we would have to do then in order to do so would be we would have to exploit our warriors. And we, we've just chosen not to do that. Mm-hmm. So we would rather... We would rather people want to help because they believe in what we do and they see the results of what we do. So the best way to do it would be there's donation buttons on both our Facebook page and the Wounded Warrior Outdoors website. Okay, and I will link both of those in the in the show notes. But thank you so much for telling us about WWO and everything that you've put into it. It is so amazing. 
And seeing the Warriors, even year after year, they're just so much fun to hang out with and hunt with. And they're just so much fun. I'm so glad that we've gotten to know you through that and got to know the Warriors. It's so such an amazing, it's like second family. Well, it's, it is an amazing organization, but it's amazing because of the people like you that are in it and that you the families like yours that believe in what we do and the Warriors that welcome genuine, heartfelt support like you guys bring forward. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. It's very passionate to me. Um, it's something I believe in and something I plan on dedicating my life to as long as I'm on this earth. So thanks for all you guys do, and I appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast. Thanks so much, Ron. I look forward to going to Alaska as a volunteer with you guys in August, and um, Jennifer will be there in October with you guys I'm for so alligators. She's very excited about that. Yeah, well, I mean, last year I go to get an alligator, and I get to do it with Woody Warriors. So, haha, guys, I win. Well, we'll try to uh, try to find you a big one. All right, I'm excited. Thank, All right, so, guys, take care. Ron, thank you so much for taking us on your journey with WWO. It was amazing to hear that story and everything. Have a happy care, Easter, David. Ron. Good. Yeah, have a happy Easter to y'all, and good luck on your hunts. Thank, thank you, you so much. Bye bye. Well, wow, that was great, Jennifer. I apologize to the listeners and to Ron. We had such issues with the audio. Yeah. We dismantled everything to take it up to the Mike Mountain Apache um, Indian Reservation for a turkey hunt to do a podcast up there and reassembled stuff. Your phone died. We got a new phone. Yeah, We're using phone your brothers, broke. and it's just we weren't able to get things set up the same way as we had them before. So we had to patch things a different way and had some crummy cell service. But uh, hopefully the listeners were able to hear enough of what Ron was saying, very valuable input, and the audio, we apologize, we'll try to get it optimized in the post-production part, but um, it was uh, it was great. Yeah, it was amazing hearing Ron's story, and obviously I've heard that a couple times from his speech and talking to him personally, but it's just so, like, every time I hear it, it still is such an amazing story to hear about everything that he's He's done for the Warriors, and here and seeing the Warriors as they go through it and spending time with them is so amazing. And they're people that you – they're like friends forever. I love them so much. And every time I see them, they're always happy. We always hang out with them, always roasting each other. But it's so much fun, and I love, I love all of them. Yeah, Ron and his wife Lisa and their son Sam, who's been on many of the trips, are just great people, and they really do welcome – the Warriors into their family. They let um, they use their home in Kentucky as a base for the turkey hunts. Um, the place in British Columbia is a concession that Ron owned for years, and they host the Warriors there for different hunts. And um, just amazing people. We're glad to have them as good friends. They've certainly Ron and and our Wind Warrior friends have certainly added a lot to your life, Jennifer, and mm -hmm. to ours as well. And we're honored to be able to spend time and support them and get the word out about the great things that they're doing. So hopefully people will listen to this, be inspired by their story and, and look to help WWO and their mission. Yeah. Cause they definitely inspired me. And even to do this podcast, they helped me, inspired me maybe a little bit to do that. You guys, my mom and dad were definitely like pushing it. And my family was like, Jen, you need to do this. And then I gave a speech at wild sheep and the wounded warriors were there and they were like, Jen, if you don't do this, I'm, they were like threatening, well, jokingly like threatening me. And they're like, Jen, you have to do this. And I was like, okay. Do this being the podcast. Yeah. Right? They're like, like, if you don't do something, it was one, one was Jason. He's like, Jen, if you don't do something with this, I'm going to be so mad at you. I was like, okay, Jason. <laughs> like, I'll do That's this. Jason Pacheco. And we're going to have him on. Uh, oh, Pat Scroggins, another great friend of ours through WWO. We'll have him on a different podcast. And, and uh, 
I'd love to hear from Steve Peoples and Matt Amos too at different times. Everyone has a different story, but they certainly add a lot to the lives of our best citizens, the mm -hmm. warriors that dedicate themselves and their lives to protecting our freedoms and giving us the best country in the world. Yes, they're amazing people. And obviously hearing Ron's journey with this is so amazing. And just the journeys of everyone who has, who's a part of Wounded Warrior Outdoors and who helps with that is amazing. I love all of them so much. So thank you for joining us and listening to Ron's journey. It was so awe-inspiring just to hear everything that he had to say. And so thank you so much for coming on this journey and listening to Ron's story. And just remember that life is short and so am I. And I'm just trying to make the most out of every day. And I hope that you guys do too. I hope you all have a great journey and you make it an epic one.